0: So today, we are going to continue our conversation on reincarnation during this incredible deep dive of the Kabbalah of the afterlife, and I want to go through a couple of things today having specifically to do with reincarnation and maybe elements of reincarnation that we may look over in this deep dive. So, the first one is the idea of perfect souls incarnating into imperfect bodies. There are unique cases of reincarnation that warrant us to have a discussion and and think about, and that is, there is a possibility of the re-embodiment of a completely elevated soul. So normally, a soul will return to attain a deeper and a more expansive level of articulation. Each time the soul is reincarnated, another aspect of the soul energy will be apparent based on what we spoke about last week. And so generally, when a soul reincarnates, It's coming back to this world to complete a specific purpose, mission, something unique that only that soul can accomplish. But from time to time, and it's not so common, but I want to mention it. From time to time, souls settle into this realm of existence, not for themselves per se, But rather to help those around them to be able to attain their own tikkun, their own rectification, and reach their soul's destiny. Which means there are souls that come into this world not for rectification of their own, but to help someone else's rectification. They're fine. They're complete. They're just here to assist others. There are clusters of souls that gravitate towards each other physically as they are spiritually linked, sharing the same root, uh, soul roots. They have the same, what we call master soul. Occasionally, a perfected soul will descend into this world to assist those souls that it's connected with. It could even be a master soul that will descend into this world to assist those souls that it's connected with, to help those souls reach their tikkun, reach their maximum potential. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think that this idea relieves, I don't even know if it's the right word, but it it helps understand a somewhat perplexing and disturbing phenomenon. It's very sad that we find so many beautiful children that are born mentally or physically uh, uh, challenged, that they're special, and some of them are even incapable of performing any of the normal day-to-day activities or chores. So the question, though we've already said that a lot of these questions are beyond our pay grade, but maybe if we were to put aside the fact that we know nothing and with humility ask the question, what purpose do these souls fulfill in the scheme of personal tikkun, if they can't perform any of the day-to-day activities in this world? So why did they come to this world if they can't do anything in this world? How does a, a, a mentally impeded or, or a physically impaired person actualize their soul potential? As mitzvot, as deeds, are the means for soul actualization, for soul articulation. What happens when the body doesn't allow for the possibility of doing mitzvot, whether it's physical or it's mental? Or maybe I would even add emotional, where it's it's not able to physically do that. So if we're elevating this world and making this world a better place through mitzvot, and this person cannot perform them, so why would God bring that soul into the world? Once again, this is beyond our pay good. and the purpose of this conversation is just to give a little relief, a little breathing room for those of us who this particular challenge is ever so great what i would say is one of the many ways to possibly humbly understand this is by realizing that occasionally a perfected sadik a righteous person, their soul will re not for their own sake, not for their own rectification, not for their own tikkun, but rather to teach, to inspire, and to help those around them attain their soul's mission. These souls have unique relations of of affinity and they're able to help the others in their family, the people that they encounter. And these souls are sourced in the same root within the primordial atom. These are special, special, special souls. Their selflessness, and I say selflessness, complete selflessness, as the sole intent for their descending into this often harsh reality for them, not only for us, but mostly for them is not for their own personal purpose there's nothing personal about it it's to assist people they love and assist people they are spiritually bound to for that for that purpose and that purpose alone living selflessly and completely for another can also be a gradual state that a person matures into. So at times, a person who has completed their soul task while in the midst of their life journey or even at a very young age will continue to live on, Solely for the purpose of helping others attain their tikkun, helping others attain their rectification. Those who are born healthy and later in life become paralyzed or incompetent, they continue to live so that their caretakers and those in their sphere of influence can attain proper soul Articulation, proper soul, spiritual development. I'm not answering why. The purpose of this conversation is just to provide a little bit of understanding, a little bit of relief for the very complicated, very complicated conversation of those who on their own they can't take care of themselves and they need others to help them. Putting this conversation aside a second, I'll give an analogy that may be a little easier to comprehend. If everyone were of means then there would be no one to give to. So the fact that there are those who are less fortunate gives those who are fortunate the ability to give to the less fortunate. So the less fortunate, to a certain extent, live altruistically for the ability of those who are fortunate to give to them. And it could be that someone who is in this world less fortunate, their entire purpose to be in this world is to be the person to whom the person is giving can experience their tikkun. Because if you come into this world and your tikkun is to give and there's no one to give to, what do you do? You can't fulfill your tikkun. You can't fulfill your purpose if your purpose in this world is to give. I think maybe that analogy is a little easier to comprehend. There needs to be those people who can receive in order for the givers to be able to experience their tikkun. Now I'll go to questions. I have a few questions here. Number one question is, what is um, the, uh, the master soul? What's the difference between a master and a root soul? So the root soul is the primordial atom. The master soul, and perhaps we can get to this at a deep dive, if I haven't already. I think maybe I did touch on it in the past, but basically the... 600,000 souls that stood at Sinai, they are all considered master souls. And all of us are derivatives of those master souls. I believe I've touched on this already. Number two, how can a master soul be perfect, having no rectification needed? Well, it's very possible that that master soul already did its rectification. The world has been around a while, and there's been a lot of generations of reincarnations. We are not uh, isolated on an island. So because of that, it's very possible that that master soul or that soul that comes into this world needs no more rectification in this world and is only here for someone else. If a, The question is, if it returns to help perfect its descendant souls, then it can be perfect, surely, because its descendants were only created as sparks or aspects of it to help perfect it. So it's not necessarily descendant souls. It's cluster souls, which means there are souls that maybe are, 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 um, on, on its level. Descendant souls, you're right. Probably if a master soul is perfect, it means all of its multiples will also be perfect. But if it's, if a master soul returns, it's going to be because of a cluster, because of a soul that's not part of its master soul. That's not part of its uh, soul that needs help rectification. Um, Next question. Surely only God is perfect. And so by definition, no soul and type of soul or class can be a soul, can be perfect. Not necessarily perfect. We're not looking for perfect, but it will have at some point a soul will have completed all its incarnations and will have perfected its unique purpose in this world. So perfect in the literal sense is not what we're looking for. We're looking for perfect in its rectification. Perhaps a soul can be near perfect and we just call it perfect for practical purposes. Yeah, it's possible. Um what um, it's what we would call a kindred spirit, exactly, exactly. It's what we call a kindred spirit. Um, okay? Although the above might seem out of perspective or proportion, how do we say Moses was ninety nine percent perfect or ninety percent like an angel? Why could a soul be more perfect than Moses? It's not about, again, I think you're getting you're getting caught up on the on the perfection, on the perfection in the eyes of God. We're talking about a soul's completion, not perfection which means it had a particular purpose that it had to do as far as its tikkun and rectification in this world. And it did it because it may have come back at this point in history. My gosh, a soul could have come back 50 or 60 or 80 or 100 times. So at this point, it's completed, not perfection. It's completed its tikkun and its purpose in this world. And if it comes back, it's coming back for the sole reason of helping another. Cheryl.
1: Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere?
0: Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers?
1: Hi, I'm Elisa Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix.
0: And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker.
1: Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits.
0: So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love... Then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: I have two questions that are really unrelated. One has to do with when we meet one of these, what you would call master souls, and would that be comparable to an old soul, somebody who's reincarnated many times and has fulfilled its purpose many times. Oftentimes in life for us, we meet one or two of those people. And for whatever reason, to me anyway, there's like a spark, something with the eyes, you've made eye contact and you feel like you've known this person. Even though they're they're not really in your circle, but you could almost feel and talk to them and hear the wisdom. Is that just something that's in my oh, it, head? Yes, it's a, that...
0: it's part of the cluster that that person has some kind of connection. It's not by chance, and in, in even the, the the souls that we become connected to during our lifetime, it's not by chance. They're, they're familiar. Look, there's so many people that we meet throughout our lifetime. Not all of them will be people that we connect with. Not all of them will be friends of ours. Not all of them will be people that we spend a lot of time with. There's reasons for it. Attraction okay. is familiarity, not opposites. The whole and whoever made up that idea that opposites attract—I don't know what they were talking about. It's it's similarities and familiarity that that, that attracts. All right.
2: So prong two on this totally unrelated. My sister had a son, my nephew um, was born mentally challenged, and he's had a pretty tough life. And I was 14 when I became an aunt. And for whatever reason, I chose to go into special ed because of him. And I'm thinking if that's the, is that the kind of mission you were talking about when somebody is born? It changes the life of another or the direction of another. I chose to teach. I chose to teach children like him.
0: Exactly. That's a perfect example. A perfect, perfect example.
2: Okay. Thank
0: you. Any other questions?
1: I thought to share. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I I believe almost everybody here has met Lola and um, just listening to you, Rabbi um, kind of puts things in a, it put things in a, in a new perspective in a, in a way new. It, It seems that, you know, for Lola's whole life, the people that have chosen to to purposely be involved in it. It's almost like she has become the sun and everybody else are like the planets that kind of, you know, are in revolution around her in a, in a really good way. It's like, um, the purpose that she brings to the people that are in her life, I just see is it just has a lot of warmth to it and a lot of light to it. And so that's not, um, that's just thank you for talking about this this topic. It means obviously it means a lot to me. <laughs> thank you.
0: Amazing. Really happy to be able to share that. And obviously, you can imagine preparing for this class. I was thinking a little of Lola. Okay.
3: I have a few questions, but I'll sure. try to Keep it brief um yeah that was uh i mean i i to me every every it's clear that everyone has a purpose i mean um i've worked with uh kids with special needs and never once have any of them ever not touched my soul whether um they're aware or not but what what i was gonna ask like the rambam i have some confusions in general like the rambam talks about the world to come as not being uh, physical at all um rather consists of souls of the righteous without bodies mm-hmm. um we're always talking about the world to come but there's this olama Neshamot and olamaba. Haba. um are we coming? Is it that these souls are coming back to the same physical world we exist in? Because that's the way I see it, but and I've read it from some sources of
0: Judaism. So, uh, so let me just clarify a few things. There's, yeah. When it comes to the world to come, the world to come means a lot of different things. There is the world to come, meaning in this world, the next moment, the future of our physical world. There is the world to come, meaning after a soul leaves this world. There is the world to come, meaning the Mashiach, a time of peace and 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 no no ill and uh the as the prophecy says the lion will live with the lamb and the swords will be turned to plowshares so there's different worlds to come that are referenced in our teachings
3: right and i guess i'm using different its semantics Ulaman is i i define it or what i'm reading um is the rectification, it's sort of the tshuva that's happening through the neshamot uh, neshemot coming back uh, and olam ba is like the resurrection the, the moment where um it, the question is why also why are we using the same terminology it, it confuses uh the, the the hebrew language is like that olam abba means Olama Neshemot and Olamaba are very distinctive, different meanings in Hebrew. I mean, Olama it sounds like a different world altogether. And Olama Neshemot is, um, you know, the spiritual
0: realm. What I'll say in Hebrew in general, yeah, it's not about the word, but it's making sure that we're educated enough to define the word properly. Sure. Um that's, that's really what it is. So often we the, the words in Hebrew are often used interchangeably. That's just the nature of the language.
3: Sure. And the other part is more of this sort of uh dualism. Uh like we're we're going to the primordial Adam. Where does Abraham sit in all of this uh resurrection like he, he's a root to our own belief system and if it's adam what happened like how are other nations
0: linking into all of this maybe at some point i'll i'll do a um uh a, a deep dive on particular people and their connection because it, it's a very very broad question not one that i can answer in uh, okay no worries 30 thank seconds. you yeah. You're welcome, but I do think just kind of focusing on this and thinking about the fact that there are people who have come into your life, possibly, and the only reason why they're there is for you, not for themselves. They're
3: completely- uh, I'm sure that's true, and I'm. I think I'm there as well for other like. Yeah. yeah, I think it's everyone influences. I think through every interaction, uh, literally every interaction, you influence the world, and the uh, um, how you how you embrace that interaction is extremely important.
0: Right. Why I'm bringing that up, and not necessarily more to your conversation, but to the general conversation. Why I'm bringing it up is because the best way, according to Kabbalah, to live in this world is to live selflessly. Because you don't know if you're here for yourself, for your own rectification, or for the rectification of someone else. I'll just answer this question here. Um, also wondering whose soul was the most complete, Moses or Enoch. Well, you're asking a very, very complicated question, and I'll tell you why. Because, again, the complete in that sense. So Enoch came into this world. Um, he did not want to interact with this world. And as a result, God took him from this world early, where Moses was the exact opposite. He completely interacted with, um, with this world. So Enoch would be a an a, a example of someone who comes into this world and does not fulfill their purpose here. And Moses would be the example of someone who comes into this world and fulfills their purpose here. Kaba, uh,
1: Thank you. I So, just trying to think of how to formulate this properly. As taking, moving forward in the assumption that there is some consciousness of understanding the body that we are going to inhabit. Um, if we are coming back, if our soul is coming back and understanding, you know, the range of, of disabilities and special needs is, is super intense. And I know there's other people in this room that, you know, sometimes the, let's say the child, um, is bedridden and can't speak and has to be moved. You know, they can't move their limbs like they it's just not all puppies and rainbows and happy times. So given that they know there's going to be this form of suffering and yet they would come in anyway because they're, they are there to help those around them. Is this like, um, would this contribute to what makes them exotic? because they understand the suffering they're committing to.
0: Just want to remember that we're not answering, but we're just bringing a little relief and, and understanding to this, because so often we hear things and they become black and whites. Judaism is not, contrary to popular belief, there's a lot more nuance in it. So to, Keep that in mind and answer your question. The answer is yes. They, that would be one of the many reasons, many, many reasons that they would be a righteous, tzaddik, because they know what they're coming into. They know the challenges that they're going to face and they're doing it completely altruistically. Kelsey.
4: Thank you.
5: Okay, so I have a question about if we are not consciously aware that these, that we're connecting to other souls that we share a master soul with, can that be? like a source of loneliness for us is that where loneliness like the deep loneliness comes from and like the sense of unbelonging is because you're not aware that you're connecting with people on a deeper level
0: yeah i would say yeah that could be a source of loneliness on a very very deep spiritual level there are people who are with others but they're still lonely and that could be much part of that tikkun it's very hard for some people to be altruistic if they're selfish if they're narcissistic it's very hard for them and sometimes there are some people who self-sabotage and it keeps right. happening over and over and over again in their life where they have a meaningful relationship and somehow they destroy it and if that person needs to look inside and say i keep on doing that i'm the common denominator i keep on blaming it that it's this person and that person and another person but it's me i'm the common denominator and to be able to do that for a person who their nature is narcissism, or maybe, I don't know, to a greater sense, they have some kind of personality disorder, is a very, very difficult process. And that alone, just that realization could be a tikkun for that soul.
5: Right, and that's all from the animal soul.
0: Correct. Thank that's you. why, and that's why it's only something that can be done in this world, because it, the, the 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 godly soul and the animal soul both need to be present for that type of rectification to happen. Okay, I'm not even for a moment for a moment putting saying that it's that it's easy. It's very very difficult, and for those people who connect to what I'm saying, you should know that it may not be as obvious as those people who have physical or mental challenges, but it's as difficult in its own way.
5: Okay, so do you have a nugget to or a trick that you have to help inspire more of the average person to make the choice to become a better version of themselves.
0: It's a good question. What I would say listening and trying to internalize that question because it's it's a very a very deep there's a lot of there's a lot of answers that can be given to that but if i had to generalize it what i would say is that somehow there are two things that our society as a whole has programmed within us and that is narcissism and i had a thought and i forgot it that's something else that I just forgot. Narcissism and... Anyone can help me here? Mm. Ego? Ego?
2: Judgment?
0: Oh, I know what it was. Narcissism nah, and judgment, exactly, and negativity. Our society, thank you. Lost my train of thought there. Um, our society is somehow conditions us to be negative and to be selfish. So, what I would say to the average person is those two traits, according to Kabbalah, according to Jewish thought, are both not good traits. So very often. We and and I'm not saying that it's that it's necessarily um, a bad thing. It's just a reality. Very often we end up looking 30 miles ahead. We look, you know, and and people think, oh, and, and, and vision is good. Being a visionary is a very good idea. But I'll give you an example because I deal a lot with dating and with relationships, very often we go on a first date and we say, can I marry this person? That's not the right question to ask on a first date. Is this my person? It's too much pressure. It's it's too many steps ahead. The right question to ask on a first date is, am I interested in this person? Do I want to know more? Not will I marry this person? That's way too Complicated, way too complicated. So, what I would say to your question, Kelsey, is that so often, though we want to be visionaries, when it comes to our own development, we can't see the end. We have to see the process. So, instead of saying, How do we make ourselves better? There are two things that our society teaches us, and they're both not good for becoming a better person. Negativity and selfishness. So if today I could be a little bit altruistic, altruism is the wrong word, if I could be a little less selfish, see, I'm being very careful here, because it should be one step, step one, I'm going to be a little less selfish today. Today, when naturally, when I hear something, I think of the negative right away. Today, I'm going to think of the positive. When somebody around me says something, I'm going to share the positive. I'm going to be the, what's uh, instead of being the devil's advocate, I'm going to be the angel's advocate. I'm going to be the positive one in the, in the room. And I'm going to say, try to find the good in that thing. And, and and uplift the conversation. We don't change in a minute. We don't change in an hour. We don't change in a day or a week or a month. Change happens when a lot of little things happen over and over and over again. And so I think our goal should be little things. Even if you're having a conversation with some people that you love, or some people that you know, or your acquaintances, or your friends, and they're all very, very negative about a particular thing. It could be the weather. It could be the politics. It could be anything. And you try to uplift that conversation. That is where you're not. We can't force anyone to do anything. We can't do, tell anyone to do anything. We can only show them what to do and we show by being the best version of ourselves and hoping that they can see that version of us and say that feels much better than the misery and the negativity that i usually drowned in it may not happen once and may not happen twice but it may happen after you doing it over and over and over again. And that consistency of just the small little things uplift the conversation, uplift the experience. That's our job in this world.
3: Rabbi, I'm just wondering is, the way you're describing it, it's you showing them, isn't it more you you doing it for us?
0: No, you, you you modeling the proper behavior.
3: But the modeling isn't for you; it's for everyone. Like, well, the modeling so is for you too.
0: <laughs> to, no, to you're part yourself. of the world. You're yeah. part
3: of the world. But I, I think this. I mean, it's the human condition. It's the human psyche. But uh, I do things for myself, obviously. But the. The, the real deeper truth of it is it's all about
0: connectivity that's why but don't that's what your, i'm getting at don't take yourself out of it we're very you see then this is the opposite no you shouldn't you're
3: important right? you're very important to so everyone in this uh zoom everyone in the world's important we just talked about that right i think someone showing up We assume, even the assumption that someone's not healthy and able to communicate, uh, maybe they're more important than everyone else. Like this emphasis of importance, you know, is almost like you got to disconnect from that.
0: They are more important than everyone else.
3: Not even, not even a everyone's. I'm saying everyone's important, not more or less, like. That's what I think. I mean, yeah, they are. They are extremely and same with you. Same with me. Same with. Absolutely. Yeah. We're saying the same thing. I'm just.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I think uh, we should go to our takeaways. Kelsey, I see you. Why don't you start and you can pass it on.
5: Thank you. I think uh, my nugget comes from our conversation there, Um, that really connecting with somebody on a deeper level so that they can understand that they can feel better by just starting off with being a little less selfish or just doing that one thing, working on one small thing a day until it builds and becomes so big that it's just it becomes an unconscious part of you. Um, so yeah, thank you for that conversation. I appreciate that. Um
1: left or Hava. Thanks Kelsey. Either one works for me. I'll answer to both. <laughs> um uh what jumped out, out at me um that resonated with me was the idea of sometimes people feel lonely that aren't necessarily alone. I can relate to that personally. Um, actually, it doesn't really have to do with, you know, having a wonderful being in my life named Lola. Just, I could feel like that in many, many other ways. So that was, um, I liked hearing that so I can think about that some more. And then my the major shining golden nugget is, is just appreciation, Rabbi of you. Bringing up this topic, approaching it in such a, a careful and loving way, because I I know there's a lot of us in this room that are are um, have people in our lives that we love that have special needs. So my dungit today is you just bringing up the conversation and the way you approached it. So thank you, and I would like to pass it on to. Oh no, I don't have my reading glasses so I'm just going to have to go by Jill because I don't need my glasses to know, to know Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
6: (laughs) Um, Really great conversation. Thank you. Um, Yeah. I think this last be this last piece that we just talked about choosing to be the, you know, the positive voice in the room and for for someone, for for me, it's you know, having kind of been conditioned around the opposite, and that would that's more natural to go to what's wrong, the the negative. It's been a really interesting exercise to try to shift that. And when I've been successful, and there's there's certainly been times I have, it's an amazing feeling. It's, it's really amazing. So, uh, kind of encourages me to, to keep working it, to, to be aware of that. So thank you so very much. And I'll pass it to Ilana.
5: Hi. Thank thank you. I, I really do appreciate, um, the approach and the, the understanding about the souls when they seemingly um, are not able to fulfill the both on their own. And my question is, and I'm sure you can't answer it now, I'm standing on one foot, but um, is there a way to know when the soul has finished uh, its work?
0: Can't answer it on one foot. Yeah. But souls themselves know when they finish their work. We may not necessarily know when they finish their work, but they will know when they finish their work. Okay.
5: Anyway, it was it was just very uh, I don't know, it was very spiritual somehow today. You know. And it's, and it's all about being the best you can be doing the best you can. I'm gonna pass it to uh, Marianne. Thank you.
7: Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Elena. Uh great to be back. And um I've got two two nuggets and the one is with a kindred spirit and uh, uh kindred spirit um it's just uh, because, as I, as a way, I feel the kindred spirit. Uh, it's just that we are growing together, and um, I mean, uh, this is important for me to know that uh, we we share things. I mean, there is a soul that's not only here to uplift you or to share with you, but there is an, an exchange. I think, and it is what I I could feel with uh, with our conversation with the kindred spirit. Um, and the second thing, uh, this is when you said to be educated enough to use the word, no, the word properly. And I think it's so important nowadays to use the words properly. So um, thank you very much for everything and to thank you to everybody and especially to the rabbi. And uh, I pass it to Maor.
3: Just might pull the nugget or take away um, more. Of, um, I do think I, I, this was mentioned a couple of classes ago um, about keeping all the mitzvot. None of us can, we're all limited. Uh, not everyone's a koan. There's no duma. Like, there's things that unfortunately it can't be fulfilled. And I think the part of the i'm looking at the optimism of that is the beauty in that is that you need others in order to fulfill things in order um and that we're not here alone and that um that those relationships that need to develop in order to to bring us to alamaba is, a, I, I, I see it as a beautiful, like, a it's, uh, even though it, it it's a lower level to the garden of Eden, which is a negative way of looking at it. I see it as a beautiful, like a way to rebuild, like to, you're constantly reconnecting and, and, uh, that's very powerful. Thanks. Um, well, I, uh, Julian, I don't think spoke yet.
4: Thank you. Um, I've got four things going through in my mind: two questions and two thoughts. The first question is a time or sequencing problem. If the master soul is has its associate souls created to give it its completion. It seems strange that when it comes down to help complete them, it's already been completed before it comes. So I can't quite get my head around that. Uh, that confuses me. Um, the second question is: the um, someone mentioned about the Messiah, which made me think: is the soul of the Messiah a complete soul before it comes? or only after the Messiah does what he's supposed to do. Um, And the two thoughts were, um, I've got to think, well, the first one was, I've got to think a lot about this new concept that you mentioned to become less negative, a bit less negative and a bit less selfish. And the second thought is, that specifically in the arena of politics, um, it can be enjoyable to moan about things. There's there's a certain pleasure in moaning about how things are wrong or what's wrong. Um, so, again, I've got to think how to reconcile what you've said with that. Um, so that those are my four areas. I, I don't know if you can address them or... or, or um,
0: There's a lot to unpack there, but uh, I will say the soul of the Messiah is complete, and it comes from a different source than other souls. Oh, wow. And there are some souls that come from a, a futuristic source, which we can get to at a different time, but yes.
4: Oh, thank you. And the, the, there's no answer to my confusion about how the master Soul is oh, complete. Oh, I
0: think that your with... confusion is fantastic. Conf- be confused, be curious, oh. and uh, explore.
4: <laughs> okay, well, thank you for the answer. Um, uh, and uh, I'm going to pick, um, if they don't mind, um, Zoic. Someone called iPhone Zoic. So uh, uh, if you don't want to speak, I don't want to put you under pressure. But...
8: Oh, hi. um. This is Rima. Uh, I didn't realize I'm from my phone, so uh, I didn't realize this is my husband. Sorry, um, Zalik. So definitely a wonderful class. Uh, I just wanted to share that I it really struck chord with me um, because our younger daughter is uh, even when she was at a preschool. Everybody would always tell me she has an old soul. She was always so caring. And she is, um, she had some rough time in her life, uh, health wise, and we went through very uh, trying times. But, oh, when she overcame this, she recently. Finished her studies in occupational therapy. And so she got her master's and she's working in this field of caring. The stories she tells me just makes me so proud of her. So I would, I definitely, definitely can relate and appreciate the class and the wisdom. And thank you. Uh, I will uh, pass on to Jenna.
6: Thank you so much, Rabbi. It was a really good class. Um, I really like what Ma'or just said uh, in one of his nuggets about how we need other people to fulfill our mission and do mitzvot. Um, my nugget, I think, was to do with giving and receiving. I'm reading a book right now, Circle, Arrow, Spiral by Miriam Kosman, and it's a really good book, um, but a big chunk of it is about uh, the relationship between Mashbia and Makabel, And I also think there's like a really interesting duality that you sort of started to get into about realizing there are some people who are in our lives and it's not necessarily for their own benefit, but also vice versa and thinking about that and what, what lives am I a part of and it's not necessarily to serve myself. Um, yes, I'll pass it to Cheryl.
2: Thank you, Jenna. And thank you, Rabbi. Um, interesting conversation all around. Maor, I want to thank you for a lot of things that I learned and listened for you today, but I also have trouble with the Hebrew. So you mentioned a lot of Hebrew words that I really don't know what they mean. Um, my big bang aha came at the very beginning, obviously, when I spoke of my nephew and realizing that people, imperfect souls, well, we're all imperfect souls, but the the special needs souls that come into this world are really for us to learn and heal from them. And I guess I just never thought about that because. Most people would think it's a burden, much more of a burden than a learning challenge experience. So I'm just gonna ponder that a bit and thank you again, everybody. And I think Janice, have you spoken yet? I don't know if Janice is here. She was, no?
0: I think, yeah, she was. I think the only one left, was is mom still here?
2: Oh, mom. Yeah, I'm sorry. Mom?
0: No, I, no, don't, I see don't see her, her either. Not here. Okay, so I think then we're done uh, for the day. And uh, to be continued, this is a fantastic conversation. Fantastic. Uh, next week, my hope is to talk about transmigration, and reincarnation into other life forms. I think that'll be an interesting discussion next week. Hmm. So, well, thank that, you. to be continued, and uh, have a wonderful... Please
2: pass week. on the recordings
0: last yes, week well, and this week. I will pass on the recordings, and have a wonderful and very positive...
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank,
0: thank you nice bye. very much. Bye-bye.